So I'll continue on. The aspect of the dependent origination, which we call the operating system, which gets set up with life, having been born, to be born, coming into this, there's going to be a form, there's going to be consciousness, there's going to be a program to activate consciousness, to report, carry messages from sense data, generate a sense of, I'm in here, that's out there, therefore I'm a separate being, that's, that's the program. Uh, that's the operating system. And the rest of it kind of takes that as its basis, and it's moved out to the senses, following feeling, uh, different kinds of attraction or aversion to feeling, and then trying to hold on to what's felt or sensed, and being shaped by what is sensed, felt, and um, attached to. Um, the shaping process, bhava, we be, there's a becoming of what we're shaped by. We get shaped into a particular um, set of reactions, responses, psychologies, um, different degrees of intensity, blind spots, um, highly sensitive areas, obsessiveness, and so forth. We, get, we become, there's a becoming process. And all this happens to chitta. <coughs> chitta then gets shaped into the uh, system that is operating through the sense fields, uh, receiving messages and so forth, gets shaped by that, becoming and then becoming forms a separate entity whose nature is to age and die. And also experience not getting what I want, getting what I don't want, not being able to fulfill my wishes. Dukkha. Separation from the loved, association with the disliked, not being able to fulfill my wishes. So that's the uh, that's the life program. <coughs> Stark underpinning. And certainly we can cushion that and pad it out um, and you know, make it as comfortable and as joyful as possible. But all that stuff eventually tends to disappear and go back to the bare bones of the system. So jitter gets goes into that and the ignorant jitter is not fully awakened enters that and in fact propagates it 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 sort of comes into this birth and uh, opens the set open sense doors and then gets bonded to sense data which we have six channels Sight and these channels they're lined up the way they're described and listed in, in Dharma, they're lined up in terms of intimacy. So, sight is not that intimate. You can look at something, it doesn't look at you, it doesn't touch you, it's out there. So, you could be the, the witness, and there's the screen. That's not that's pretty, uh, we can get pretty abstract. 
hearing conscious gets a little bit closer because now, now hearing it's around me I'm surrounded by it could be rather nice but it could also be a bit nervy you know out in the jungle what's happening behind my back so a little bit more close up isn't it hearing right it's still out there yeah. next one up your nose <laughs> hey it's it, this is getting right up my nose you know. <laughs> it's time to pop in there <laughs> next one taste right inside my mouth going to go down my throat that's getting pretty close isn't it pretty intimate next one touch whatever I touch touches me no separation at all could be wonderful could be very tricky but sensitive vulnerable extremely sensitive to because there's no separation right in the touch there's no there's the me and it sort of disappears <coughs> next one mind even more isn't it just it's just you just white water you're just in the flood of it all <laughs> no separation from the mind well no easy separation from it so much so we assume I am the mind it never closes down there's never an absence of data it's continual, it's intimate it's talking about this, that and the other I know the voices, that's me alright it's so intimately fused that that becomes for most people the basis of myself yeah. but if we, you know Listen to the mind. Jeez, this, this, this is it. This is who I am. <laughs> You're zinging around and dreaming and meandering and chattering and <laughs> it's a very random ragtag, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> stuff. And often you get into these obsessive tracks where it keeps going on about the same thing, same thing same thing get stuck in some thought track or an obsessive pattern of thought topics may be different but it's the same obsessive pattern same programmed mental you know I mean then we get the psychologies right build up around the patterns that get created in the mind obligation it's my duty to do everything or to, to, to make everybody else okay what? I can't, I'm not the adequate person I'm the odd one out, I'm inadequate huh? I'm the reject I'm the victim yeah. I'm the leader <laughs> you know, a range of these and various other psychologies can come in probably could put names on them <coughs> and how do these arise? karmic shaping certain tendencies have been encouraged either by necessity, survival, or some other form of induction. So, and then that's what I am. Programmed. <coughs> so, you know, the, these are the six consciousnesses. And we may think, oh, the mind is inside me, and sights are outside me. Uh-huh. 
So where where's the boundary? So because if I see a sight, that involves the mind turning the eyes in certain directions. How does it? If they're dis, if the one's inside, one's outside. How do they do that? And how is it the visual phenomena give rise to the feeling? How do they, how does it get in? If there's an in and an out, where's the border between the in and the out? Consciousness says that's the way it is, but actually we come to chitta, all chitta knows is feeling, perception, and activation, response. So I can be just as disturbed to have a sleepless night over something that happened 15 years ago in terms of consciousness, in terms of chitta, here it is, no time, that happened in 500 miles away, no, here it is. (laughs) So external, internal becomes kind of irrelevant and really just a, a function of consciousness. Now what does occur which we can all recognize is that the, the consciousness is overlapped. So the seeing, the mental consciousness, there's six folds of it. So the mental consciousness folds, top, you know, focuses on the visual consciousness, says, oh, that's there, it's nice. And now let's think about it. So it goes into itself. And what do you think here? So it tunes into that. <laughs> so we recognize this is kind of repartee going on between the six consciousnesses, primarily between the mind and the other five, to report our experience. So yes, there's a separation, but it's a separation between the folds of consciousness, not between internal and external. Where if the mind is inside, where is it, what's inside? Yeah. So you see that. So then, and they, they each because each of them represents a very different world, different domain, don't they? I mean, tasting an apple is a completely different experience from looking at an apple, right? It's a different set of data. What is it that puts those two together? says, that sight will give you this taste. <laughs> it's mind. <laughs> that stitches it. Because they're completely separate realities. And sometimes they don't work. Mind says, to the, the eye, the mind looks through the eye and sees the apple says, it'll give you this taste. Taste it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Mind's adding adding all these pieces, so it's actually it's the weaver of all the other the other five, and it's got its own business too, which is planning, organising, and remembering, and abstracting, and judging, and measuring, which is very good at what could be and what will be, and because of but because of that potential. 
to create, to abstract and create what will be or should be or could be, mind invents time. That's what will happen. On Thursday, that will happen. (laughs) You just try to feel the reality of that. Thursday. Where's that? Where's, where's that? <laughs> so we look at our Google Calendar. Yep, yeah, there it is. There's Thursday. There's the train number. You know, time of departure of the train. It's Thursday. Yep, there it is. So, but. When the train goes on strike, it isn't. <laughs> and meanwhile, you know, that, re- that reality of time has been generated through what? A perception. There's no actual Thursdays. It's a perception, it's a label. So one perception, Thursday, and is placed and then the movement towards it, or imagining it, could occur. That creates time. The future, call it. Time is then a creation of the mind. Past is a creation of the mind. How much of your life do you remember? Does it occur like in an orderly fashion. I now remember day one, then day two, then day three, then day four. No, what happens is karmic formations. That very powerfully shaping event pops up because it's still here. It hasn't changed in time. Yeah. Uh, those, that, those things have established in chitta right, don't change in time. So... Mm-hmm. See, so the world of time is a, is a, a creation. <coughs> this means we don't hang too much emphasis, too much weight, too much importance on that dimension because it's very fragile and illusory. Certainly, what we plan will happen probably won't. It might approximately happen, but the details won't be clear. So, actually then this releasing from that says what, what is really significant is you know, your ethical integrity, your calm, your chitta qualities. If you're getting those steady and balanced, then as conditions change, there's definitely change. As conditions change, you've got something that pertains as a relational intelligence to manage conditions as they arise and pass. That is significant. So it certainly change. We want to maintain something that persists through that change, not in a rigid, in, in, you know, imperturbable form, but in a sensitive, responsive, flexible form. So this is the general cultivation of citta. Now citta has established this um, all this stuff of the mind in order to. Uh, 
navigate the realms of consciousness that consciousness presents whether valid or invalid or temporary or illusory they are you know that's that's where it's going to function and uh, to do this it thro- it establishes certain um, agents agencies and this is variously called the five kanda and also crop up in this dependent origination is nama rupa vinyana so this is the this is the gears and steering wheel brakes and so forth on the operating system if we look at the factors of nama factors of nama we have vedana initial sensitivity initial hit of sensitivity something's happening feels good and I'm suggesting the first touch of it is just something's happening and then you know, a micro instant afterwards feels pleasant you pick up the pan oh it's hot but that moment you touched it it was just contact and then feeling arose and this uh, Vedana feeling is then gives the push but it bites and then sanya is the meaning sanya perception the meaning of that which I felt is one of those it was one of those it meant this, it did this it, it means I've broken my leg or it means uh, you know a soft object just hit me so I got the impact and now it's just a snowball relaxed so something immediately recognises that now that moment of, of that when those two arise feeling and perception is called contact passa passa contact, something Therefore, feeling perception arise, and this contact is twofold. Uh, first of all, the contact, the immediate contact, something activates the sense organ. So let's take the body as a very simple, obvious example. Something touches it, you get the impact. Hey, and suddenly that part of the body, one is aware of the contact is occurring there. So that feeling. Hey, right? Yeah. That's called um, patika passa. Patika passa. Contact which is born of resistance. Something stops something happening. Something's moving and something it collides. So resistance impression. Yeah. Something hits my eye. Wow. Something hits my ear. So we use these. Metaphors, we, nothing's actually hitting the eyeball, but something impacts upon visual consciousness that really struck my eyes. So that's the immediate impact. Patika passa. So then what occurs is immediately, what's happening? Perception. Oh, no problem, it's just the bird flew against the window. It's not a disaster. Recognition. And then the next set of feeling comes in. And, she, and so the recognition contact is called adivajana passa 
So you get the initial impact, which is called patikapasa, and then the meaning of it hits you. Second wave. Somebody asks, what is perception at this point? Perception helps to formulate the designation. Okay, so say for example, I'm sort of standing somewhere and something strikes me in the back. And, well, what's that? And I look around. Hey, somebody's thrown a cricket ball at me. Who are you? <laughs> That's designation impression. <laughs> First thing was just that well, something striking me in the back. It wasn't that painful. I look around. Somebody's laughing. They threw a cricket ball at me. Then it becomes intensely more painful. <laughs> Because, you know, how dare they? Da, 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 da. There's a lot of that going on. In fact, quite a lot of it going on. Because uh, many things that impact the eye or the ear, just in terms of patikapasa, are not that much. You know, the ear itself doesn't care. The organ of the ear just receives sounds. But the mind says, oh, that's, that's abrasive. Contact impression of the ear has no feeling to it. Feeling comes because the mind doesn't want that sound, finds that sound irritating, right? As Ajahn Chah would say, you know, is the sound bothering you or are you bothering the sound? The sound is doing what it does, it just sounds, it's got no intention. There's no sound that says, I'm going to give her a hard time. Just sound, just sounds. It's got no malice to it. But two o'clock in the morning, I'm trying to get to sleep. And you think playing a trombone is the right time of night to do this? And yet, eight o'clock in the morning, fine. Right? What designates? Variety of factors designate that. That's mental. So, a considerable amount of um, contact impressions really, and the feeling derives from the designation. That's an insulting gesture. You may, that's an insulting gesture. Well, actually, as a you know, no physical reality to it. It's just interpretation and um, so forth. It be extremely painful and uncomfortable. That's the designation impression. Not saying they're invalid, but to, just to, to name those. <coughs> because um, this does get down to the fine detail to tastes, preferences, contexts, you know, all kinds of other factors come in. You know, if my friend tickles me in the ribs, it's fine. Some complete stranger tickles me in the ribs, I find that rather annoyed. Same physical impression. <coughs> yeah. uh, time of day, time of night, and so forth. Relationship, all these affect. Uh, that's all bound up in all that. And of course, um, one of the <laughs> you know, 
So this is so <laughs> what is designation impression is really tracing the boundaries of our self, isn't it? See what I mean? That offends me. In itself it's just what it is. But I find that offends me or disappoints me or frustrates me. So designation impression is, is kind of forming a circle around our where we get reactive and sensitive and responsive. So it's starting to form in that in that one factor. And feeling can be extremely powerful. And when feeling and perception get powerful, what happens is Manasikala attention swings round onto that. That which is contact, attention swings round to that. Chaitana volition, response, reaction, impulse flashes up. Um, There's engagement with what arises from contact. All well and good, all quite normal, quite natural. Um, But in that process of thus being engaged, thus being activated, thus being stimulated, thus being offended, thus being impacted, uh, Jitta's getting quite a lot of rocking around. And sometimes in that rocking around, it loses its goodwill. <laughs> it loses its spaciousness. It loses, sometimes it loses ethical integrity. It says a few sharp words. Yeah. It loses its innate grounded presence. It gets rocked. And it's reactive. And it gets then it stores up those disagreeable impressions. Stores them up. Yeah. So they begin to shape it. This is called karma, or the process of karmic accumulation. Mm-hmm. So the, that then that all becomes me, because this is in the mind. So it becomes me. And uh, it's nama. Nama always has to have a rupa of some kind of form, a sight, a sound, a thought, some kind of object that it designates, refers to. Does its designating around a form of some kind? Nama rupa. Do you see the, uh, the fallacy of that? Do you see the um, problem with that? I don't respond to form, I respond to my designation of it. How accurate is that designation? If it's really highly configured around my taste preferences, sensitivities and blind spots, it's not a very accurate representation of what, what's there. And yet that which affects us most strongly, that which we're most concerned with, 
definitely that process of configuring and designating sensitive to will be heightened. So there's be a heightened degree of designation around forms and objects that I feel involved with, concerned with, or married to. I do quite a lot of designating <laughs> around the people who I'm kind of bonded with. And there can be some difficulties there. As I've mentioned before, you know, we designate an animal as, a, as livestock. Change the word from sentient being to livestock. <laughs> Language is a very powerful tool. It's no longer sentient creature, it's livestock. It means a residue, like a stocks and shares. It's become a commodity. Right? We designate it as a commodity. Once it's a commodity, Sentience is removed, ethical integrity is removed, loving kindness is removed. Once we designate a tree as timber, goodbye tree. Right. <laughs> Looks like a tree to me. Somebody sees it as timber. Goodbye. Once that word appears, you can recognize this is the end of that thing. Commodified. So we commodify, basically, we commodify the environment, and to a certain extent, we commodify other people. This is the workforce. You're the chef. This is the labour pool. It comes abstract thing called a labour pool, or a workforce, <laughs> or the unemployed, lazy unemployed people. <laughs> designate and there's a lot of this jargon which has got all these you know dismissive innuendos into it yeah to designate you see so you can take talk about for example big issue now everywhere is migrants now you could say these are desperate people fleeing from countries where the tyrannous regime have been slaughtering them desperate people need our help or we could say Immigrants invading our country, taking over. How do you want to designate it? Yeah. Right. They're all getting in their little dinghies in the English Channel, just because they like paddling across the English <laughs> Channel in a dinghy, <laughs> so they can get free meal when they go on the other side. <laughs> They're obviously desperate. <laughs> we can designate them. <laughs> you know, these could be intelligent, professional, sensitive, artistic people. <laughs> you know, so how, as it said, the world is governed by name. Name covers everything. Name tangles everything up. You'll see that in one of your quotes. That's what it's meaning. So we've created that, that operating system. And because of the nature of the, of the mutual cosmos, you know, it comes back on us. Start to designate yourself. Same sort of thing. Designate yourself. How much are you worth? How much are you worth? Right? How many boxes do you tick? 
or are you just a second-rate person, failure, inadequate? You know, this kind of stuff swings back. That's the law. It's an it's an undivided cosmos. We create this division, but actually the energies that move out into it don't discriminate. <laughs> they come back because they're not. It's not separate. So as we commodify externally, we commodify internally. Am I valuable? Am I useful? You know, I seek worth, I seek value. What are you talking about? You know? Oh, that's an extreme. Then we, please tell me I'm useful. Can I do something to prove I'm worthwhile? I don't think I fit in here because I'm not as good as. You know? And vijnana is providing the data. So that's Nama Rupa Vijnana. <laughs> yeah. We could also refer this to another little list, the Kandas, which I did mention before, which line up the same, the same array of, of agencies or mechanisms, operating systems. There you go. Same thing, Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vijnana. They're listed in that way in the aggregate process. Aggregate means, it's a funny old word, it means things that are stuck together. So, you know, for example, Rupa, right, so that's Rupa, that's a single, no, Rupa's not a single thing, it's an accumulation of earth, uh, firmness, caloricity, mobility, and cohesiveness. Without those, form breaks down. So it's not one thing, it's an accumulation, it's an aggregation of several things. Yeah. Vedana is not a single thing, it's pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, neutral feeling. It's feeling based upon mind, feeling based upon body, so it's an aggregate, it's stuck together. Sanya, different perceptions based upon different sense bases and upon different uh, levels of consciousness. Consciousness itself is an aggregate, sixfold. But also, one of those folds, the mind aggregate, has a huge, itself has a huge category of sub-realms it can dwell in, which mystics have been exploring for generations. You've got this old level, sense consciousness, then mind can zip up a bit to sense consciousness dies down, we're in some kind of subtle form called the realm of subtle form where the sense consciousness is not operating, the consciousness is projecting onto the subtle energetic form and it goes to the immaterial. So there's different levels and ranges of consciousness. So there's a lot there. And jittically swinging around this lot. Yeah. And according to the kind of Buddhist cosmological understanding, you know, the mind consciousness is these inner consciousnesses that so well okay sense consciousness energetic consciousness of refined energies then even more refined so you can go into these quite ethereal refined forms subtle forms and even formlessness which all are extremely uh, engulfing and absorbing so this is what's called the Buddhist cosmology. You get Deva Loka and subtle spirits, Brahma Loka, more refined. And the Buddha is saying, 
this stuff is so mesmerizing you could be pinging around in this for <laughs> millions of years just sipping up and down where is the collective consciousness in all of that? For example, we know that many religions have a flood myth, like Noah's Ark. Well, I guess that would be an aspect of mind, wouldn't it? Aspect of mental consciousness. Even though it's collectively shared? Well, of course. I mean, what isn't? <laughs> you know, mind doesn't exist as an isolated entity. We're picking up cultural influences, social influences, uh, archetypal impressions, musical influences, and some very primal resonances, fears, uh, simple images of horror, joy, there's monsters in every culture that all the chitta brings out its image bank, you know, um, pictures and images. So that, that's a common, common resource. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, mostly, you know, there's subtle different changes, but there's certainly been monster impressions and angelic impressions and supreme loving impressions in in the, in, the, in that realm of what we call the unconscious, which is really the image level of the jitta, the image level of mind. All this stuff is very mesmerizing, um, and so you know the Buddha says, well, you, you know, even in cultivate, you can go some pretty fine stuff. You can get to these subtle levels of uh, fine form, which is jhana, rupa form, where the form it's uh, not sensory; it's a subtle energetic form, subtle feeling, uh, and you can dwell in that. And it says you can go through. He, he names all the different levels, right up to the most refined level which is neither perception nor non-perception, which is so refined you can barely designate anything about it. Uh, and if you look in the Ninja Sapaya Sutta, the Majima, and he's going through this, he says, well, you know, talking to Ananda, he's saying, is this? And he goes through the whole thing. You can do this, you can do that, you can do this, you can get to this level of the sphere of nothingness, you can get to the level of infant consciousness, you can get to the level of Neither, neither non-perception and non-perception. He said, you can do that. He says, if you want to cling, this is the best day to cling to. <laughs> so he, kind of, he sort of puts a pinpricks the whole thing. He says, but the deathless is the jitter released from all clinging. <laughs> so he deflates cosmology. Mm-hmm. So the jitta can conjure and weave like a, the images of a spider drawing a silk thread out from its abdomen, weaving this web and then running around on this web. The jitta has drawn these aggregates out and then runs around in them. This is wonderful. <laughs> it says, but if you want the deathless, you. <laughs> get out, get off the web because that's what generated it so there we come into so the deathlessness is the release from clinging and these five aggregates are called the aggregates affected by clinging they are an operating system they can be used they can help to navigate negotiate in this world of sense consciousness 
but they're not utterly reliable. Don't get too bonded to it. And then they have to be managed. The striking image, impression, the story he gives, he says, imagine this person, wealthy person, um, they've got a house, and these five people turn up at the door saying, hey, we can help you. We're your servants. Oh, come on in. So he hires these servants, they come in. These are the five aggregates. They say, oh, very good, they work, do things for him, produce all kinds of stuff. And then one day they decide he's not looking, and then they assassinate him. <laughs> he says, this is the five aggregates. <laughs> Affected by clinking. <laughs> what? <laughs> How is that? Have you ever been crushed by feeling? You've had physical feeling that sends you really to really difficult places. Have you found yourself, you know, like, like that by feeling? Have you found yourself overwhelmed by perceptions, impressions about yourself? You know? okay. Has that ever happened? You know, so I'm in the monastery one day, and somebody says, "Oh, sixteen, my son, sixteen-year-old, has killed himself." Why is that? Because they were trolling him on the internet. Right? That's perception. Because he was getting these abusive or texts into too many of them. Say, so perception can kill you. And it could certainly cause you to kill others. Volition, intention, volition, that can do a lot of damage. Go to a jail, visit jail, somebody goes, what happened to you? Oh, well I had a couple of drinks and then out in the evening and then somebody got a bit angry and then the knife came out and then somebody's dead. Volition. So now you're inside for ten years. So, volition, intention, deliberate action can kill people and damage and damage yourself utterly. So these then these can be pretty dangerous creatures. These agents, they turn, they get corrupted by harmful influences. Why should they do that? Hmm. Why should they do that? Because of course they're forming this self as a separate entity who must be defended and has rights and gets hurt and so forth. And when that happens, then there's this feeling the self gets overwhelmed, uh, angry, upset, so forth. So the operating system generates someone who seems to be in charge of it, who is actually not in charge of it, the aggregates are in charge of it. It's not in charge of the aggregates. The aggregates control the self. Self doesn't control the aggregates. The aggregates form and control the self. Mm-hmm.
and it can cause considerable harm. If they're attached to. So if they're not attached to, they don't generate a self, then it's a reasonable operating system. So in basic terms, this means can we develop the possibility to experience a feeling without reacting to it or getting indignant about it? Can we experience a perception and not necessarily get a reaction to it? Can we be given a name without being overwhelmed by it? That's practice. See, we're plotting through our dependent origination. As I said, if you explore any of these single features in that sequence, you can eventually tunnel in to other ones. And this one's going to take you right into Upadana. Right? Which, if you look at the sequence, that occurs later on. But this, this, you tunnel into that, you're going to find you know, the bad guy is Upadana. <laughs> clinging right? so these are called the aggregates affected by clinging so it's uh, uh, recognised the, for the liberated one the aggregates are still functioning but there's no clinging so that's a different so in fact we just got down to the one thing which is very nice having gone through this list of this that and the other get into the one thing underneath it if you break the chain of dependent origination once it doesn't guarantee that five minutes later you won't face it again but if you get to the clinging then that can be more lasting is that what you're saying? yeah you get what's called um, momentary or tatanga release which is that moment when you know you break it but then you've got the several other levels of it whereby it's fully integrated. You get Tatanga, then you get something like really understanding the, the underpinning of it, release from it, and then also experiencing that which is there when there's release. What I mean is um, the deathless. <laughs> you know, so, so when this... Uh, if it said the deathless is the release of jitta from clinging, if clinging stops, jitta is the experience of this called deathless. No beginning, no end, no time, no place, no urgency, no pressure, no none of this pushing around. So it's called um, knowing the escape and knowing the, the fruition of that. So if that really is fruition has been uh, experienced, then the, the release is going to be more long-term and long-standing. But, um, but it's generally, um, um, you know, we get just kind of slight sidetrack where you get this what are called the ten fetters, which means we can have a relative release mm. in certain levels of experience, but not yet deeper. Which the first level is the cognitive level. 
uh, cognitive. Second level is the hedonic level, pleasure, pain. Third level is the ontological level, existence, presence. And this is pretty refined. So the stream entry is the person who, or the moment of stream entry is the release from the first three fetters, which are to do with cognitive processes. In other words, I think, I believe my thoughts, I believe I'm the mind. Uh, I feel that I am the series of programs and processes uh, of the mind. My mind is creating structures and customs that I believe in, that are me, mine. Yeah. And that's what I am. And I'm running on that track. Yeah. And uh, so the, the first level of awakening is to say, there's a track, there's certainly tracks, there's no beyond them. Then it means there's, one doesn't not compel to engage with those tracks. So, what I mean by tracks, what's called Sila Pata Paramasa, I translate as principles and customs. They, of course, mean duties, duties and uh, conventions. The way that people structure, we all structure our lives. According to certain, I do this on Tuesday, or, you know, the whole way we organize, we organize their life. According to systems and customs, principles and and, uh, and um, values, which I mean, anybody if you do a uh, global travelling, you recognise that generally means you go to some country that's different culture. You've got to do a quick retake on what your customs and systems are, <laughs> otherwise it's going to be problematic, right? So, you know, the uh, uh, stream entra recognizes the need for systems and customs, but I'm not hooked up to to one set. I can let go of that one and adopt another one. Mm. Duties and roles, you could say. So, sila means basically principles, and butta means that which you do repeatedly, duties. You can also use that to refer to techniques. Meditation techniques can be silapata. When you know, so we can get very. I've got to do it this way. This is the right way, you know, and so forth. So this is the cognitive apparatus. So there can be a release from that. And a lot of freedom, a lot of fluency, a lot of suppleness can occur because of that. Yeah. And a glimpse of that sense of spaciousness. Anyway, um, moving on. I've aggregates upadana clinging. Uh, uh, bearing in mind, we can take clinging very personally. I'm a really clingy kind of person. But it's not really the case. There's nobody who clings. There's, clinging is a mechanism um, that itself is conditioned. And if independent origination, as it's pointed out, it's conditioned by craving. So, say, craving, tanha, it's not quite the same as desire. Craving is more a most, um, reflex. 
desire can be chosen, but craving is a compulsion. And so one of the principal forms of craving, bhavatana, craving for certainty, craving for an identity, craving to be solid, craving to become something. Yeah, so because of that trigger, that, that energy to craving to become something, clamping onto what? Clamping onto the five aggregates. <laughs> Does that make sense? What else is there? You can't cling on to spaciousness unless you make that an object. So, you know, so we really kind of recognize you move around this whole circuit, this whole tangled skein of factors. As I'm saying, you know, start to tunnel in, dig into one of them. And you're going to end up coming through the system. You're going to come to eventually. You'll come down to factors you can you can get your hands on and do something about. They're not just kind of like woo, 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 out there. But you know, I know what craving feels like. Yeah. That's definitely that's accessible. Uh, and I know what clinging feels like because I can feel the, the, the tensity and then the, the, the dukkha of trying to hold something together that doesn't hold together and struggling with it. So, okay, this is definitely stress. And then you can, again, you can tunnel down into that. What, what, what's clinging dependent upon? Why does this happen? I don't like it, it's uncomfortable. Why do you keep doing it? Because of that. It's craving. Is the craving going to get me anywhere useful? It says it will, but does it? Why is there craving? Because of this and this and this and this. And so, you know, you can track it back. And you're finding places where you've got some options. Like, okay, that feels good, but Vedana. So again, you come to that link Vedana Tanha feeling, and it's right there up in Nama Rupa. Oh, see, so these are not singly occurring. They're factors that cover a range of potentials. So we get drilled down through Tanha, we come into the aggregate of Vedana. Right? We're going to come into the aggregate of perception. I'm craving a perception. Yeah. Well, there's craving for a perception. And those lead on to Bhava. I will become something. So all this stuff interacts. Yes? Would you say that one way to think about this is to say that clinging is the glue that keeps the aggregates in place? Yeah, it's likened. The Vedic context of clinging, it's interesting. They would say, we say wood caught fire. They say fire caught the wood. Say yeah. <laughs> so clung, and that word for, for caught is clinging. The fire clung to the wood, and burned it up. So it's the same like adhesive. Fire is the adhesive element, the element of adhesion. So it's exactly, it's glue, fire is glue. And naturally it consumes. <laughs> So 
So let's take a few moments uh, break.